Hello and welcome to England Cricket on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Daniel Norcross, live from an apartment hotel in Hobart, where I'm working with BBC's Test Match Special and ABC's Grandstand at the moment. And alongside me, as ever, it's the puff pastry hangman himself. It's the chief cricket writer for the Press Association, Rory Dollard. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you. Although we are miles apart, we are bonded and close as ever we were. Well, indeed, but I've got good news for you. I think we're going to get closer still because I'm going to be heading out to Pakistan for the third oh, and final test match of that series. Not the first two, but the last one. So that'll be fun. We can uh, we can hook up then. Will be a Karachi connection. Yeah, lovely. Today, we are going to do a bit of a dive into the news that Reese Topley is ruled out of the ICC T20 World Cup. What does that mean? What does it mean for England's death bowling? What does it mean for the replacement? Who will that replacement be? Well, we think we know who it is. And we're also going to take just a little look at England's final warm-up game. Uh, It was against Pakistan, a team that they've only played seven times in the last uh, four or five weeks. (laughs) And we're going to try and understand and, and, and look at what it means to have Liam Livingston Back in the fold. Does he get back in the team? We shall see. England Cricket on 99.94 is your new home for English cricket content. And we will be dropping into your podcast feed and on YouTube on the 99.94 app several times every week. So please do rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Now let's start with the sad news of Reese Topley. Um, it seems that he's Trodden. May I may I detour before before we talk about Reese Topley? May yes. I detour and f- do something because otherwise we won't get a chance. I think I would like to talk about two things that have peeved me right off Ooh. from watching the start of this tournament. And one is the uh, sponsorship tie-up that the ICC have entered into with Aramco, mm-hmm. Saudi Oil. Um, people who are rated by the people who know and investigate these things as the worst carbon emitters on the planet, corporate carbon emitters, responsible for 4% of all carbon emissions since 1965 or something. Absolutely awful. And the ICC have trumpeted them as part of their corporate family and their name is on the stumps. They're on the boundary boards. They're presenting the man of the match, the player of the match awards and it stinks doesn't it it's rubbish it's the kind of thing people should be running a mile from and it's the ICC being rubbish at stuff and to compound that they've also been flagging up their cryptocurrency cryptos collection at the end of each match in this in this first round and every time a fella gets an outside edge they tweet out you can you can own this edge you can have it it can be yours just join our crypto family of crypto it's fierce bullshit I hate it and it's been the thing that has really the pair of those things have driven me to distraction in the first week and we'll get onto the cricket and we'll stay there hopefully but well you know shit show. this is happening this is happening in all sorts of sports isn't it there's a World Cup in Qatar that uh, a football World Cup that is, is not met with universal approval uh, by any stretch of the imagination there's there's plenty of money sloshing around in the English Premier League. And there's, of course, that, that new golf tournament. So this is something that's just bedeviling sports at the let's moment. Not, I don't quite know. Let's not let it pass unmentioned, though. Well, you haven't let it pass unmentioned. And, uh, and, and, <laughs> and good for you. Because... The, oil, the, oil thing, the, oil thing is, the oil thing is bad and sinister. The NFT crypto collection thing 
it feeds into all that stuff, but it's also sensationally silly and makes them look like an absolute set of chumps. Uh, yeah, there have been some cricketers who've been rather beguiled by NFTs for reasons that I don't entirely understand. And I don't really understand what an NFT is. I haven't seen so much is. that recently, have you? I haven't seen it so much recently, yeah, since they've... Into have fallen off the radar a little bit. No that. value, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's part of the problem. Anyway, Reece Topley, bad yes, news. Yes, Topley. <laughs> yes, please, let's go on to Reece Topley because, uh, I, and I really feel sorry for the, for the lad because he's had a number of injuries. Uh, he's come back from them all manfully. On each occasion, he must have wondered if it was worth continuing to keep going. And this year, he has made himself indispensable, not first name on the team sheet, but certainly a guaranteed starter in England's bowling lineup in T20s. He's taken white ball wickets all summer for England. He took time off. The irony of this, Rory, he took time out of the 100 so that he'd be fit for the World Cup and he slips on a boundary sponge. And you know, this is another thing. Those boundary sponges, I was talking about it with Alex Hartley on air today, they're as large as they are so that they can show the advertising sponsors' names. Aramco. <laughs> well, do you know? So another reason to be absolutely infuriated. England, of course, famously benefited in 2005 from Glenn McGrath treading on a ball. This is the modern day equivalent. They didn't have sponges in those days. Now, the rest of the world has benefited from Reese Topley treading on that sponge. And the first I kind of heard about it, actually, was seeing his father, Don Topley's tweet from Singapore Airport, because his father goes out and supports him wherever he goes. And saying that it, it comes, it was a bit of a weird shock to discover that his son was in danger of missing the World Cup because he heard it on, I think, a World Service bulletin as he was waiting for his connecting flight from Singapore to take him into Australia to Perth, presumably, where he was expecting to watch his son in a World Cup. And uh, aside from the human uh, sadness of it, which is a very significant one, it presents quite a headache. For England, because they loved having these twin left armers in Sam Curran and Reese Topley. They do have another left armor in David Willey, and they probably could have drafted in Tim Arl Mills a further left arm, but they, they take totally different roles, don't they, Rory? Yeah, they do. And, and as you say, it's, it's hard to, to pick out the two sides of things, isn't it? Because it, it is really tempting to just say, what does this mean for England? But, but Reese Topley really has had such a, a run of it with injuries. And and he has been involved in tournament cricket before. I mean, way back in 2016, he was part of the England setup back then. But the injuries that he had, it, this felt like the first real time that Reese Topley was at his best, firing on all cylinders, part of the team, and and ready to really show up at the at the top level. He's actually, if we look right now as we as we speak, he's the second highest rated seamer in the mm. world rankings. Yeah. It's all spinners. It's nearly all spinners. And and Reese Topley has done so well. And actually, he's probably been, I mean, arguably, Reese Topley has been the the definitive success so far of the Butler Mott sort of reprise of this England team. He's and he's really found a role. And the role he's found is he bowls at the power play and he bowls at the death. It's really super important to how they've been setting up and what they've been doing. And he has made those key passages of the game really safe and really bankable for England. So there is a bit of a rethink to be done. Oh, there is. It's, it's a massive one because, as you say, it's right at the beginning, right at the end. Now, uh, Timar Mills is, does come into the side. Now, this time last year, there was great excitement about Timar Mills, about his pace, that point of difference. Um, I think Mark Wood hadn't, at that point, been seen as a key element 
of England's white ball attack in the way that he is now. But Timar's had a, a number of injuries himself, really unfortunate one. He cut his toe really badly. He's still got that pace, but he's barely played. Um, he hasn't. He didn't get a chance out in Pakistan. He won't have played in the warm-ups, didn't play in the warm-ups against Australia because he wasn't part of the squad. The expectation was that Reese Topley would play. We're pretty sure it's not Richard Gleeson or Liam Dawson. So it will be Timar. So then you're thinking, well, is he the man who's going to take that role? Well, he's not really, is he? They're, they're fortunate they've got a little bit of flexibility in that Chris Wokes has been taking wickets at the top, much the same way as he, he did in 50-over cricket. He's now doing it in 20-over cricket. But you don't necessarily want to open with Sam Curran, which would be an alternative, because they, they're saving Sam Curran for the death. They like him for the death, and then a couple of overs in the middle. So what do you do? Do you try and squeeze an over out of Stokes at the beginning? Maybe an over yeah. out of Curran and try to get well, three out of Wokes? Well, well, this is the thing, isn't it? I I think they may end up ultimately splitting, because obviously you go into games with more options than you absolutely need to max out. So it could be that the, the top playovers do get split. And I think it is interesting and maybe something we should talk about on the other side of the chit-chat um, about Stokes opening, because that's how they've, it looks like, just very a reasonably recent um, decision, how they're going to try and get him into the game. Because getting Stokes into the game is always a priority. And they seem to have found a, that the way they might do it is to fill that spot with the new ball. And they'd They've given themselves a little look at that before Topley got injured. So now that Topley's injured, you wonder if that's that's where we'll see him. And maybe we should uh, discuss wh- where we think that's going to go and, and what the import of it is. Well, that sounds as good a time to have our first break as any. After this break, we're going to talk more about how we fill this role. And Chris Jordan, where does he now fit into this team? You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube, or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. So welcome back. I mentioned just before the break there, Chris Jordan. And the reason why I mentioned Chris Jordan is because trying to think about how you fill those death overs, Chris Jordan is an obvious candidate. He's uh, put on five or six miles per hour in pace, but he's also come back from a little bit of an injury. Um, didn't play in Pakistan, played one of the games or two. I think it was two of the, the warm-up games against Australia, the second of which was curtailed by rain, so he didn't really get to see what he could do there. Um, he looked a little rusty. When he came back into the side, I suppose there's a way you can see with the pace that he has that he could maybe take an over or two in the power play and an over or two at the death. And that's how you sort of make up the top play. It would strengthen the batting as well. Um, you're, you're essentially, you're, your batting ends with Adil Rashid at 10 and Mark Wood at 11, which is not bad, is it? But the problem is that Topley, and in Pakistan, for example, and throughout summer, as we mentioned, is not just wicket-taking, but economical as well. Sam Curran was just ahead of him on that score. Same number of wickets, slightly more economical. But So what do you do here? Now, you mentioned Ben Stokes, getting him into the attack. Getting, now, you say it's a recent development. It's recent because he's not played any T20 yeah. cricket for England for a while. you know. And, and they tried him out with an over at the front 
in a, one of the games in Canberra. And that was, I thought that was an intriguing development. You get him on with the very first over, a little bit like how sides frequently try to burgle an over a spin. We saw Scotland do that the other day with Mark Wood. And I know they're totally different bowlers, but you know, Mark you're sort Watt. of saying... Different fella. <laughs> Mark, Mark Watt. Well, very, very different <laughs> kind of fella. But performing a similar kind of role, which is, are you going to you going to chase after him in this first over? Do you want to? Do you want to risk it? Do you want to go after Stokes mm. with a new ball? Um, that might be it. You're sort of playing a little bit of chicken. Then you're getting overs out of Wokes, like I say, and then maybe a, an over out of Curran. I, I tend to think it will be Jordan that is going to play more than Tumal Mills in, in replacing. Do you think that's fair? I do. So I think with Stokes, I think it's not a bad little gambit, this, because he's obviously in the team. There was a bit of suggestion, oh, he might get edged out by all these power hitters. He was never getting edged out of the team, you know, not, not without having a good crack at it first. So he's a spare bowler. Now, the thing that in latter years, certainly Ben Stokes has been doing, even in all formats of cricket, including test cricket, he gives up a lot of boundaries because he's aggro. He wants, he wants to bowl at the stumps and he wants to bowl in the tasty areas. And the tasty areas, if you miss them a little bit, you're in, you're in the batter's zone. Now, if you ball him right up the top in the power play, well, guess what? Everyone's going for boundaries. That's sort of the fact that you're, the fact that the balls you miss are going to go to the boundary is completely factored in. So you almost, I think you almost mitigate some of Stokes' weakness there, which is that he, he does cough up boundary balls, whereas he wants to be in the game. And, and, and there is the indescribable, un, unweightable uh, part of you walk out to bat in a crunch match in a World Cup and the fella at the top of the mark is Ben Stokes and it carries a bit. It just carries a bit of weight. And, and so I think England have landed on something quite handy there. And I think it might... Mitre Edge walks out the team because if if Stokes can get the job done up top and Jordan comes in to finish up and be the death bowler and, and Curran's found his way into the team that we weren't sure he was going to have, I think something has to give and, and I wonder if it might be Walks. Well, something has to give if Livingston comes in, but I think they'd be really loath actually to leave Wokes out. And part of the reason I say that is not just because of his wicket-taking ability with the new ball, which is significant, really significant, but also the way they've used him. So trying to sort of read the runes from being around the team and and also from you know watching what's happened in Pakistan, they were really keen, obviously, to look after Mark Wood because they need that point of difference, that point of difference pacer, which they will also have in Jordan because Jordan is going to get up to 90 miles an hour since the, since the operation. But they, they wrapped Wokes in cotton wool they only played two games out in Pakistan. And they did the same thing here in Australia. He didn't play two matches running. He played the first the game at Perth and the third one at Canberra. And he picked up two wickets, the first two balls of the Australian innings. So I think they really like what Wokes can give them there. And they know that he gives them something very significant with the bat, if needed. Because with their high-risk approach with the bat, it's not unusual for them to find themselves six down maybe with an over to go. And he is a man who will hit, hit you sixes, will hit boundaries at the back end. He can come in and tee off straight away. And that's, that can be invaluable if you know, you've just lost a set batter with, with, say, seven or eight balls to go. So I think they're going to want to hold on to Wokes. 
then I suppose that's giving you an extraordinary battery of seamers, isn't it? I mean, let's, probably, let's count probably, them up if Jordan's in there. probably one too many. If you pick Walks, you pick it Jordan. It probably is one too many, yeah. You pick Curran. You, you know, you've got Stokes opening the bowling. You've got Rashid, Moid. It starts to look like you've got maybe one too many. And so I think they might have but to make do a you need? Do you need Harry Brook in those circumstances if you're bringing in yes, Livingston? We're going to talk about that. Me and that. Jared did 32 minutes on that. <laughs> if, you haven't, if you need to go to bed tonight, you need to put you to sleep. I talked for 32 minutes about him. <laughs> Uh, well, no. If I if I want to go to sleep, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the one we did on the high performance review because that that will still that that will, that will still be the most the most sleep inducing podcast I've ever done. But it's still valid, all of it. None of it's been resolved, so you, you it's very current. no. You're please, please go and listen, write, rate, and review. You're absolutely right. Yeah, essentially, even with Topley out, England have got a conundrum. They've got to fit twelve players into eleven. Yep. And, and, and I, when I, I would suppose. Say I- I think I wonder if Jordan's fitness and, and exactly where they think he's at fitness-wise could be the settler. Because I think if he if he is fully, fully fit and ready to go and bowling well and, and tracking nicely around the team and the nets, I find it really hard to think they overlook Jordan because if you look at every single one of those bowlers, I think he might be, let me just tally them up, he might be the only one who was supposed to be in this team for like in the last over the four-year cycle. Like he's never been anywhere other than in this T20 team. Wood spent time out. Topley spent time out. Mills has been in and out. Curran's been in and out. Like Jordan's the constant. He's the guy who is the T20 guy. So now there is a change of captaincy. I don't think he'd have gone anywhere for certain if Morgan had been in charge because Morgan lent pretty heavy on on Jordan in the field. But if he really is fit, I don't think they'll junk that that experience of him in T20 cricket. Okay, well, in that case, let me give you another suggestion because we're talking a fair bit to some of the Aussie ex-cricketers here. I've been working with Jason Berendorf and Xavier Doherty and uh, Stuart Clark in some of these warm-up games and trying to get a feel for the different pitches. You know, Australia used to be a place which had very distinct conditions. Um, Perth, very distinct from Melbourne, very distinct from Sydney and from Adelaide, different ground dimensions as well. Now, the ground dimensions have stayed distinct the pitches have become a bit more homogenous as they've had a lot more drop-ins because they're using these grounds for um, Aussie rules a lot of the time. So, do you know, if you find yourself on a, the shorter, straighter boundaries, it might be you're doing horses for courses and you take out Moeen Alley because if you're using Livingston, you've got the second spin option who can bowl both off-spin and leg-spin as well as Adil Rashid's constant. He plays in every game. So then you've got a little bit of a floater, depending on where you've got short straight. Where you have short straight in England, Moeen doesn't play at Cardiff. You know, he just doesn't play. <laughs> uh, on the rare occasions he does play, he doesn't bowl. So there may be that you're thinking, especially the way England have gone, they've got, they very much like to play with the slower and faster bouncer on the wide pitches and they've got the bowlers to do that certainly in Wood and Curran especially now Jordan's another one who would do that so if you're keeping him in maybe it's Moeen because you've got enough depth in the batting keeping on hitting with Wokes in the side that might be the way they go this is all idle speculation but it's all caused by somebody standing on an Aramco sponge (laughs) 
You started it, Rory. You started it. <laughs> Listen, they're probably very they're probably very litigious. I don't know for a fact that it wasn't a Ramco sponge, and if they're in fact the, the, the harder boards that stand behind. So I'd like to place that as something that we are officially uncertain of. Yes, well, it's an advertising sponge, come what may. And an advertising sponge that's a little bit taller than, well, certainly much taller than the taller old than ropes the used to be. <laughs> it's not taller than Reese Topley, no, but he's, he's rather giraffey. I mean, imagine when he goes down, he's, he's got a long way to go. Anyway, we're going to take a break now. After that, we're going to look at England's last warm-up match and what we think we can read the runes from in that game. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. Yes, welcome back. England had their last match against Pakistan for a while at any rate. They're eighth in next to no time. A game I don't think the players were particularly... I mean, they haven't said anything to me, but I wouldn't blame them if they weren't particularly keen on playing it. They'd had three games against Australia, one in Perth, which was made sense. Um, a second in Canberra, which also made sense as part of a three-match series, but it was bloody cold, I can tell you. Uh, very unpleasant conditions out here in Australia at the moment. It really is freezing in Hobart. It's been six degrees watching some of these uh, games tonight. West Indies playing against Zimbabwe in six degrees by the time the match was finishing. And then that third game, which when the rain came, I think it was a relief for everybody, only to discover that you've now got to fly up to Brisbane play against Pakistan, and then take the longest plane journey there is in Australia from Brisbane to Perth. You talk about polluters and the use of carbon. Cricket generally yeah. has not got a good record on this. I mean, absolutely maybe, absurd. Maybe that's, what, maybe that's what attracted the sponsors to this sport, the, the, the amount of raw yeah. materials Jet that were pulling out the ground to fer- ferry people around the place. Yeah. Well, exactly. You do wonder. Uh, and it's crazy, really. But... They went up and played the game and it did have a value and the value it had was getting some time in the middle for Liam Livingston. I mean, I saw people saying they've dropped Dawid Milan. I don't think they'd dropped Dawid Milan, really. I think what they had was they said, Dawid, you've you've been at the crease quite a long time (laughs) over the last month and a bit. We need to have a look at Liam Livingston because a fit and firing Liam Livingston you want on your side. Now, I didn't get a chance to see the game because I was commentating on a World Cup qualifier at the same time, but I saw the scores and Sam Curran and Liam Livingston, they, they made hay against Pakistan's bowlers. Yeah, it, it was Livingston. We, we talked a while back when we were, when we were looking at the, the question marks in the England team and we said what they really need from Livingston, given that he's going to be one of the later ones back, is he needs to do what Butler did and he needs to give him something to believe that he can come back in roughly at fifth gear. And he hit a... 100 meter six or something out of the ground and you shouldn't get you know you shouldn't get too overexcited by the highlights because a six by a centimeter is the same as a six that disappears into the river but that's kind of his currency that's his Livingston is is on when he's not hitting sixes he's hitting big ones that's what he trades on so 60, he said time in the middle. This is the accelerated world we live in. He faced 16 balls. <laughs> that's, that's time in the middle now. Two of them went for six. One of them went for four. He hit one up in the air. 
I reckon that's probably enough to tell you that Liam Livingston's roughly where England want and expect him to be. Uh, is he, when fit, an absolute nailed-on starter? Is it, is it the case that he has to play? And if he does, Rory, we know, don't we, that it's Butler-Hales, whatever the argument, Butler-Hales, Milan-Stokes. Where does Livingston fit in? Is he five and Brook six? Yeah, after your 32-minute deep well, dive into Harry Brook, which way around does he go if, if <laughs> Livingston has to play? Well, I, I think you don't need to uh, commit to that. I think if there's four overs left, you send Livingston in. I think if there's 12 overs left, you send Brook in. If there's five balls left, you might send Moyn Alley in. <laughs> I, think, I think England do have quite a nice selection there of people and they can pencil in an order and I think they would pencil in Brook at five because he's more adaptable to more situations and a little bit more fluid in what he can do uh, but but there's no reason at all why they need to commit to an order they need to, to commit to a pool of batters and then use them as they see fit I think from this warm-up match another slightly interesting thing is that Phil Salt didn't put any more pressure on Hills because Butler sits out. Hills has done like okay since he came back into the England team because for such a big call to end his three-year exile that was like a, a tenet of the of the Morgan era, it, he had to go quite well. And he started all right. He's had a couple of, a couple of knocks, but he's not... He's not come in and had the effect that he did when he came into England first time round, which was, I play the game different to all of you guys. You, you, I do things you can't do. That isn't the case anymore. So I think it was interesting that Salt, Salt was like a Hales Roy acolyte. You know, he was a, he's a guy who came up learning from, from their footsteps. And I think if Hales blobs out and Salt gets runs in that last game, you start to have people going, have we backed the wrong horse here? Now, Nazim Shah bowled him out for one. So Hales goes in as the starter. And if everything goes to, far, to plan, we don't have to have that conversation again. But that was almost like a talking point averted, which was when you get to, when you get this close to game one, you actually want a couple of options taken off the table for you to make your life a bit easier. Yeah. Well, except you, you don't want Reese Topley taken off the table. No. But, but I, I, I say this simply because if Livingston's a surefire starter and Brooks a surefire starter, I've got your top six there. You've got Moeen seven. You've got Curran's surely a surefire starter the way they've been using him. You've got Wokes at nine. You've got Rashid at 10. You've got Wood at 11. There's no space for any of these other people that we're speculating about. Certainly not Mills. Certainly not Chris Jordan. So, so some, I think that's what I mean. That's what it's, I'm, 12, that's why... it's 12 into 11. I'd, yeah, you got that's 12 bankers. That's why you bankers. think Wokes is in danger. That's why I think Wokes is in danger because they've got 12, 12 bankers. Yeah. I, I will be fascinated to see. Look, the first match is against Afghanistan at Perth. Then they crisscross the country, as many teams are doing here. It's a, a bit of a merry-go-round. It's, you don't get to sort of just stay on the eastern seaboard or anything like that. Um, Australia have to be seen in every in every city that, that they've got basically yeah, yeah, they're being sure. raided around so Matt Cummins has to people have has got to, to play them glad handing doesn't he well and he's also definitely got to get to Western Australia because they've been shut down yeah. for two years for the most part because of uh, COVID yeah, listen, so, can I just throw one last spanner in the works Dan Adil Rashid Adil Rashid has been the rock of this white ball plan and setup and method for years uh, and there's no question at all about his place in the team because he does things that nobody else can really come in and replicate. He stands alone in that. There isn't a, 
you know, there's not a reserve for Adil Rashid. That doesn't exist really at the moment in English cricket. But the last few months, he's not, he hasn't really been at his best. He's been getting through his spells. He never leaves England short of, of, of his overs. He never has them scrambling around, filling in for him. But he's not, he's not getting the big holes. He's not bowling too many magic balls. And he's just started. And I don't know if there's any magic words that are getting passed around the teachers, behind the teacher's back or whatever. But he's starting to look a little more hittable. And people are, people are getting him away. He's not bowling those really super cheap spells. And my only question is, it's not about his placing the team at all because he's utter pedigree and it's, it's long since baked in. But my question is, if England want to win the thing, do they need Adil Rashid bowling at eight and nine out of 10? Because if they do, I think he's operating about six and seven at the moment. Well, that, that is a spanner in the works. Um, I can't see him not being in the side. Uh, as you say, I mean, he's he's such an important cog and linchpin. He's, he's their one frontline spinner. But you make a strong point. England will need Adil Rashid to be on top form. We are going to leave it there. We'll be back in the next couple of days with more to discuss. England's first game, of course, is on Saturday against Afghanistan. It's a action-packed day on Saturday. Uh, because by that stage, the tournament proper begins. Australia will be kicking it all off, of course, but England will be playing in Perth. For now, at least thanks for listening to England Cricket on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please do rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Norcross Cricket. And in Rory's case, at... The RVD. Stay away from those boundary sponges, everyone. Do right. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media. Follow us at 9994DM. Cricket, every day, your way. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.